enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. Look, that's Tim. No, that's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together, we talk about a different movie from the horror genre, from your well-known classic down to that rare gem that softly gasps, John, at the back of your video store shelf. This week, we're getting ready for summer, and we're going to camp from 1983. It's Sleepaway Camp. Tim... Do we have any camp stories you haven't shared yet? I really did not know what to ask that wasn't just like some dumb question giving away the ending of the movie. (laughs) Well, I mean, we did tell some pretty good ones when we covered the second film in this franchise. (laughs) Right. Um, But that was near 100 episodes ago. It was. It was. Um, You know. Yeah. Yeah. We're almost. Because I was like, what, our second episode? It was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Episode wow. number two. Almost. We almost waited a hundred to come back around. Which I'm going to go ahead and say this, like, you know, and shame on me. Like, usually when people, I, I'll tell somebody about the podcast and and uh, I'll, I'm always quick to say, like, well, make sure you listen to, like, a recent episode, <laughs> right. you know? But going back and listening to that, which I did this week, um, I, I got to say it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's different, a little different. Um, but uh, what's funny is, like, I noticed that I... I actually like hushed my voice when I would like say a curse word, you know, <laughs> yeah, we don't really, we don't really fuck with that anymore. Um, but uh, no, um, I guess it, it, this isn't, isn't really a specific thing, but it's kind of the overall thing. I guess what's a little strange about summer camp might be what some people who aren't used to church are, are probably freaked out by is the sort of like, creepy togetherness of it all (laughs) like when you gather when they have like those things in the in the schedule where you know at the end of the night you all gather around this one spot and sing songs and stuff which is i mean that's pretty universal right i mean camp songs for god's sake now i'm sure that the songs that we were singing at my camp about just you know lamenting your sins and how (laughs) you need to be a better person uh were probably a little more downbeat than most camp songs But um, but yeah, I remember that feeling of because even though you're a kid and you just sort of blindly follow adult instruction, I remember sitting there and it being a feeling of like a little it was a little creepy, you know, that sort of like like that um, the the ritual of it all, I guess, you know, forced camaraderie. Yeah. Yeah. Put your arms around each other. Right. You know, um, sink into your friendship, right? You're a sinner. Yeah. Like, (laughs) was it that bad? Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, I went to a YMCA camp, so it definitely had some like religious moments. And then we had a chapel bit every morning, which I must have just spaced out. Like, I don't, I know there was an area for it and I feel like we had to, maybe not every day, but like a couple times we had to go to it. They were short, like they knew. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and there was like a prayer during like the meal and everything like that. But yeah, n- never any guilt, I would say. No, but you know where there apparently wasn't guilt in either my camp experience or certainly the the filming of this movie <laughs> was the length or the tightness of the men's shorts. Yeah, it was uh, a there, different time. There is a very unsettling picture of me at like a prepubescent. Well, I wouldn't even, I would say like maybe mid pubescent, mm-hmm. you know, like let's say 11 years old, 12 years old. And I'm just sort of standing there at like just above waist height with my, you know, cabin counselor. My parents probably took the picture on the last day of camp or whatever. Yeah. And I've got my arm around him and one person who saw the picture, I don't even remember who it was, but I know somebody just happened upon that picture <laughs> and they referred to, you know, two things. A, you know, how cute I was because I was little and two, <clears throat> the shorts, which they referred to as grape smugglers <laughs> uh, because there was there was no mystery in his anatomy. Yeah. Uh, at which I was so close to. I, I'm I, I was. Also reminded in this movie, yes, the short shorts and the half shirts. Um, like that was so big for two years. Yeah. Every guy had a, a half shirt. Yeah. And I had one when I was a kid, and that was the first time I that was my first moment of like self consciousness. Where I was like, oh my, I don't, I shouldn't be wearing this. I was fucking like six years old and like I should not be wearing this. Well, you know, it's the one thing that we are lucky for is that most of the time when you do see older pictures of guys in half shirts, like those are the guys that belong in half shirts. That's like Rob Lowe in a half shirt in like 1985 is fine. Yeah, it's totally fine. Um, Even the jeans, like the cutoff jean shorts. Oh, yeah. So short. Shorter than the pockets. The pockets yeah, the pockets lower. would stick out. And but but I am going to take this point though. Like you said, we're coming up on summer now. Let's let's be clear about this, fellas. There is no one. I don't care who you are. You could take Jason Momoa and put him in a pair of shorts that go down at his knees or even past his knees, and it's not going to look good on any human being though you know the shorts i'm talking about yeah the ones i mean thank god they're phased out now by about five or six years but yeah. those jean shorts kind of like the john cena jean shorts yes. that go down like, like past the knee or those jenkos but they were like short versions of yes them. Yeah. and just awful but even still guys will, will wear those like um what are they like the cargo shorts that uh-huh. are super long and super baggy yeah and it's like no like I'm not saying you got to go where I like to go, which is mid thigh. Yeah. That's a, what what would be a seven inch inseam. I'm sorry. Five inch inseam. A seven inch inseam is passable, but at least show them some skin. Yeah. That's what shorts are about. They, they used to call them short pants. <laughs> and they, and they are, were. <laughs> and they are meant to show your yeah. legs. You're wearing some shorts right now. Those are fine. Uh, yeah, well, these are stretched. See, I can like fold them down over yeah. my knees. These so are much stretchy. better when you pull it I will off. say, you know, I, I don't think it goes without anyone knowing I wear cargo shorts all the time. So you can just say it to my face <laughs> instead of this passive aggressive thing you're bringing tonight. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. You wear your cargo shorts, couple it with the I actually half just shirt. bought, I went and bought new shorts because my cargo shorts are tatters there's so many holes there some somehow there is a rip in them that looks like i just missed getting cut by like a samurai sword like it is literally (laughs) like mid thigh 
straight across both legs. I was just like, how the, f- how the fuck did I get this? Uh, so I did just go buy two new pairs of shorts. Uh, they are a little tight because I was a little generous with the waist. So I'm like, they'll they'll stretch out. These don't stretch out. They're like from Vans, but they're not cargo shorts. I'm going to try and go. No cargo shorts. I got a lot of shit for a lot of years for wearing cargo shorts, <laughs> and it's fine. Well, maybe maybe the, the new trend. Maybe I could never we- do the short short shorts, though. Well, let's go the other direction and get like the extra short half shirt to where not only does it go like expose the abdomen, but literally like above the nipples. <laughs> literally like the shortest yeah, shirt. That fifth, you got. Just a fifth shirt. Just yeah, like, what? Kind of like like basically shoulder pads. Yeah. Right. But with a little bit of fabric below. Essentially where like the under part of the sleeve meets the torso. Cut it there. <laughs> exactly. Right, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a scarf with <laughs> with sleeves. <laughs> let's let's make that happen. Um, but no, like a specific <laughs> camp experience. Were your counselors, how old were your counselors? Well, that's, that is, I've thought about that and it's so hard to gauge because I'm, I still see them through the eyes of, of a kid, Yeah. but I had to take a guess. And this is also probably influenced by knowing how old people are now when they do go to work as counselors yeah. or whatever. It's younger than I would have ever thought. I right. mean, at the time, they seemed like maybe not as old as my parents, but they still seem very much like adults. Right. But in, in if I'm being dead, <laughs> that's what puberty does with, to you. <laughs> what I'm being, if I'm being dead honest with myself, and I'm just going to picture him for a second. Honest to God, I, I, I mean, I would guess maybe like early twenties. Wow. Right. See, I know the counselors at my camp were like sixteen and seventeen. Because oh, when you were 15, that's when you could be like a counselor in training. And then at 16, you could be a counselor. So that's why there's a bit in this movie that I think I viewed way differently than you did, just based on how old our counselors were at our camp and how old we're supposed to be assuming the counselors are at this camp. Okay, fair, fair. I, I, I don't know if this helps. I remember it was the first day at camp. We were playing kind of like a get to know each other game. And we were sort of over by the big parking lot, the kind of gravel parking lot yeah. there. And I remember my counselor, who was a nice guy. We were kind of playing the game, and but it hadn't really started yet. And he just kind of like is rambling off like numbers and letters. And he's like, six four d one five three seven and then he points his finger and he was trying to like impress us by the fact that he remembered his license plate number oh so he was referencing his own car in the parking lot and it was a little bit of a kind of brag but it's like (laughs) we're 12 (laughs) like yes you we expect you to have a car like you (laughs) probably should have one but it was like just kind of a little humble brag there wow I can yeah. memorize six numbers and letters. <laughs> right. Here it is. So was it was your camp through your church or was it like a general Lutheran camp? It's a general Lutheran okay. camp. Yeah. And um and yeah, lots of God stuff. It was probably it was advertised through our school. Now, interestingly, at the Lutheran school that I went to in sixth grade, we did have a week where we were our school, just our class, our sixth grade class would go there for a week. And the teachers would come from our school and be, I don't know who was teaching their classes when they <laughs> right. were gone, but we had like, I don't know, five or six teachers come and we were, they, Camp Lutherhaven allowed Emanuel Lutheran School 
to use the camp. It was like in the off season, like okay. in the fall. Yeah. Um, so I would go there twice a year. I would go there or well, no, for sixth grade, at least go there in the fall and then there in the summer. And I probably went, oh, maybe three or four years. There yeah. Us in public the school kids just went once camp to Kumpsa. Yeah. I remember. Time. I remember the public school kids talking about that. Yeah. But was that like a, but that was that sleepaway though? Yeah. You stayed the night. For one how night. long? For just a week? one night. No, oh, one Jesus. Night. Yeah, it was a weekend one thing. Night. Yeah. My God, just put a tent in your backyard. It was ridiculous. Where is that? Where? I mean, I'm sorry for everybody listening. <laughs> Steve Ayers in Canada. This is going to be nothing to you. Sorry. Uh, where was Tamp- Camp Tecumseh? I don't. It's somewhere in Indiana, I think. Okay. But I don't know. And okay. then my summer camp was up in Michigan. Right. I did look that up. I looked that camp up. And yeah. uh, it was actually it like ruled. straight north of my camp. Oh, um, crazy. But like straight, straight We weren't across the lake rivals, were we? We could have been. Yeah, you were right. I think the lake, I think it's called Corey Lake, unless there is an actual Lake Eberhardt. Yeah, the, yeah. Oh, ours okay. was on the okay. Lake Eberhardt. That makes more yeah. sense. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no. My was, camp I love that. I loved my camp because it was just like one path that kind of went through the camp. And when you got to the end of the path, like it was like a peninsula into the lake. And that was the... So, like, you knew every station as you went along. It was like, I'm, I'm going to say these out loud. I know my brother's going to be listening. I don't He'll He'll either be like, we went to camp or he'll be like, holy shit, what a trip down memory lane. Because um, you would, you you know, you'd start at the, you have the craft booth and then the um, the canoes and shit. And then you'd go through a little bit of woods and then you're at the archery range and the, they had like a little BB shooting range. Oh, cool. Yeah, uh, I know there were other bits, too, and I, th- I thought I could remember them all. I just remember now, then when you got to the very end of it, that was like the astronomy area and like the science and wilderness area. I spent a lot of time there. Wow, You'd yeah. like build model rockets back there. Uh, and you know, you could do like badges and shit. So you, you, you know, cool. you'd have to like memorize all these different mammals or different amphibians and then they'd quiz you on them. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. We didn't have an astronomy area, but what we did have was that magic hour every night when the counselors would go for their meeting. Yeah. So you'd be alone, uh, with your, just your cabin mates. And there was at any given time, probably, I don't know, maybe four or five of us, maybe six in there. And I know that one year in particular, um, because, you know, it's supposed to be lights out, so we can't really turn the lights on. Uh-huh. We, they probably weren't looking at us at all. They were just thrilled to be away from the kids. <laughs> but I remember there was one night, I, I I guess this qualifies as like an interesting camp story, where we would use our uh, flashlights and we took turns looking at each other's buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> kidding uh it was an age of discovery <clears throat> and uh it was just you know something that we had to know wow they all generally look the same i just don't buy this happening at a very religious camp oh it happened because it's a very religious yeah, camp. that was yeah. that was sarcasm tim <laughs> <laughs> it was like, well, it wasn't a Catholic camp, if that's what you're getting at. <laughs> well, yeah, you only looked at them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're like lazy Catholic. Yeah, we didn't do anything with it. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I won't mention any names. Um, but uh, yeah, so there, no, it was, it is an age of discovery. Yeah. Interesting. All right. I knew I had a story in there somewhere. I totally forgot about that. That was good. Kind of blocked that out. Well, let's uh, jump into this camp and talk about it. So uh, from 1983, it's Sleepaway Camp. It was written and directed by Robert Holtzik. 
It stars Felissa Rose, Jonathan Tiersten, and Mike Kellen. Budget, $350,000, and it shows. But in the best <laughs> way possible, I think. Uh, box office, $11 million. Holy God. Goddamn bona fide hit. Uh, let's do uh, the Nan Sum, the summary for my wife who won't watch these movies. She did listen to the beginning of this movie, and she's just like, what? Are you watching Jaws? <laughs> uh, anyway, okay, so let's do Nan Sum, then we'll get into some spoilers. It's a new summer at Camp Arawak, and everyone has their half shirts and short shorts. The kids are excited to see what the summer has in store for them, all except Angela. She's kind of weird and keeps to herself, but it's understandable. When she was a child, she lost her father and a sibling to a boating accident. But when Camper Paul starts a flirtatious friendship with her, she begins to loosen up and enjoy herself. Unfortunately, a series of accidents at the camp begin to leave several campers and employees severely injured and even dead. Is quiet Angela hiding a little secret? Things <laughs> certainly do get hairy. But you don't have to be the greatest private dick to uncover the secret that hangs at sleepaway camp. Oh, my God. That's so good. <laughs> I I thought for a second I was just being pervy and then right. I realized yeah. you were you were going for it. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'll say this. I, the first time I saw this movie, this was a movie I saw when I was very young. I did not even see all of it. It was one of those like. I don't remember if I was at a sleepover or something, but it was on TV and I might've just been like by myself, like downstairs hmm. and it was on like USA or something like that. WGN maybe even. And all I remember is the, um, uh, beehive scene. And that freaked me out. Uh, especially cause even at, watching it i was like this looks so raw like just the the way it's filmed is not high quality and so that it's certainly not like a you know grainy gritty like a, a chainsaw you know yeah but it has that low quality feel to it are you about to sneeze no oh okay just yeah <laughs> you got just a weird look on your face okay <laughs> but i just remember like see, like the guy goes into the bathroom and then you know the pole like locks him in and then the thing comes, the beehive comes in the window behind him. And like, I was just like, this, this might be the scariest movie ever made. And then I never really revisited it until, until we started doing this podcast and we watched this second movie. And I was like, well, I don't want to not see the first movie. So I watched that first and I'm sure I bring it up in that episode, but fucking A, I loved this movie. And watching it again, yeah, I love this movie. No, you're. Which is odd because it would see, like, I myself could make an argument where a version of me hates everything in this movie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. But there's just something about how this movie hit. I was just like, yes, yeah, baby. No, you're right. There's something about, especially knowing that the director was 25 years old when he made it. He was fresh out of uh, Tisch Film School in New York. And so it was his first film. It was his only film. You're right in saying that sometimes there are movies that just have a quality about them that even though you could sit there, like you're saying, this other side of yourself mm -hmm. could sit there analytically and pick it apart and it's just total garbage. Yeah. But there's something about, I think it's you and I have talked about the earnestness of a film before. And I think that that's what it is. It's like, 
Um, I think I've even used this reference before too. You can tune a guitar to itself, even if it isn't tuned to what the actual tunings of a guitar should be. Right. The strings themselves are tuned to each other. So this movie is not tuned to Academy award winning films. (laughs) Right. right? But it's tuned to itself. And it, it really is. It kind of creates its own universe and, I'm here to tell you that universe is Long Island, New York. (laughs) It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And it is camp. Like, I mean, I I think you would second this. Like if people were listening to our our, uh, enchanting camp stories earlier and and feel like maybe they missed out on something, you can watch this movie and have a pretty goddamn good feel of what it was like. Yeah. I mean, minus the homicide, but uh, <laughs> but really like and, and it it makes good sense, too, because the director went to this actual camp, the setting where this camp is, is filmed, went to the camp and um, the experiences that he that he conveys in the movie are obviously based on his time there. Yeah. You know, for the most part. And one of the biggest things is and this is what makes for any good piece of film or television that has to do with young people. And that is lack of adult supervision. I Carly is fun because their dad isn't around and who the fuck knows what happened to their mom. Um, You know, uh, Scooby-Doo, whatever. Like, I mean, they're not really adults in Scooby-Doo, but there's no adults around. That's what makes Muppet babies. Like the fun is when the nanny's not in the room. That's when they go on their big adventures. And that's really the truth of camp because I mean, let's chalk that up one Muppet baby <laughs> reference. First of many, first. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so he really does capture that, and um, the movie itself. And I don't know if it has to do with those great accents, with the fact that it's so self-contained. Which, by the way, is not like an artistic choice. It literally is a budgetary choice. Like where can I set a film that is in one location? Right. Um, so he picked camp and he picked horror, not because he was a big fan of the genre or anything, but because at that time it had the best chance at distribution. They're cheap to make. They're popular. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with, he's not going to compete with like a, I don't know, like a Sophie's choice or, you know, whatever <laughs> terms of endearment. I mean, he's not going to compete out there with other, you know, dramas or what have you, or even comedies. Um, because, I mean, there were some big comedies that came out in 83, weren't there? 82, 83? Uh, 84 is the big year. Oh, okay. But yeah, but yes. Early 80s is rife with just the most iconic films. Like Right. Yeah. So you know that you you know by choosing horror, you're not really competing with that. You're just kind of feeding that that bloodthirst that, uh, that people have at, as horror fans. So that's why he chose it. And... Um, the other really interesting choice here is that it really does have a lot of fucking kids in it. Yeah, it does. And we talked about that when we covered the second one. Um, now, the second one cheats a little bit by having the age range eligibility for its <laughs> right camp goers anywhere from, you know, 10 to 32. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but But this one has just a shit ton of kids. But I'll tell you what. They're not really kids by our standards because (laughs) you grow up in New York smart kids (laughs) right? who will not hesitate for a goddamn second to tell an adult to fuck off (laughs) to their face as a 12 year old. Um, So that's enchanting in its own, which, you know, I was under the impression 
Like, did our generation just miss that? Because then it seems like kids started doing that again. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. Where did like our... when adults are like kids are disrespectful these days? It's like you were the disrespectful one, probably. <laughs> right. Exactly. But it is. And I and I'm just a sucker for those East Coast accents. I could listen to that all day long. Um, but yeah, the, the movie is um, it is a product of its time. It's a little episodic in almost a funny way. Like it even does that thing that like um, early 80s or late 70s TV shows would do, which is like this um, like a horn crescendo at the end of a scene, like right before it would go to commercial. Yeah, this that, like, movie looks like it has commercial breaks in it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and then it would fade, the sound and the picture fade out at the same time. Right, yes, exactly. <laughs> but this was a theatrical release. Yeah, yeah. as I'm watching this feature film, I'm like, oh, cool, I got a copy without commercials. Yeah. But it felt like it. Like, yeah, yeah. you'll get, like, you'll, you could watch a movie. I think the, the, um, slumber party massacre remake might be this way where it's like those bits are kind of built into the movie because they know we're showing, you know, that we're going to be showing this on TV or eventually we'll be showing this with commercials. We own the, you know, we're making this movie. So let's help ourselves out. But yeah, this movie's so weird. There's like four, need that four (laughs) bits where it's just like, ah, okay. Going to the bathroom. Oh no. Oh, it's the movie still playing. Okay. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And it is that it is that sound that like mm, right. would do the face. Cliff, yeah, the cliffhanger noise before the commercial. <laughs> right. So great. Um, but, you know, there uh, the acting in this movie, uh, it's it's hard to even judge it. Almost like it takes itself out of the normal <laughs> criteria of judging acting because the kid's 12. Right. And he's kind of fucking killing it <laughs> he's he's very funny yeah like i love watching that kid yeah any of these kids and when we say th- uh that kid we mean any of them yeah like they're all pretty goddamn good um but ricky ricky's the main kid yeah our two main kids ricky and paul and then angela right is ricky's cousin now i there's a there's a whole lot of honestly i this this is kind of fun to say as we're starting this episode you could literally pick between like three or four aspects of this movie and almost do an entire podcast just on, (laughs) on those themes. But for a second, before we get into the more interesting stuff, let's talk a little bit about these actors because, um, Felissa Rose or Felisa, I apologize if you're listening. I know she listens to a lot of podcasts. Um, I'm going to say Felissa. Um, and, uh, she is fantastic. She was 12 when she auditioned started filming when she had just turned 13 and I'm sitting here watching this movie and I'm like, who does she remind me so much of? And what she is, is basically a prototype of 11 from stranger things. That sort of like doe eyed vacant sort of look like, Oh my God. Like I know you're maybe not huge. Why do you love that show so much? I love God. Oh my God. I love it. (laughs) Almost as much as I love Riverdale. Um, But, uh, (laughs) but, but she is so good at conveying. And, and this isn't just my words. This is coming from a little bit of that topic that we'll, we'll get to eventually. You're talking about Felissa, right? We're off of Stranger Things? Yes. Okay. (laughs) So uh, I'm going to do you that favor. Because of Millie Bobby Brown. (laughs) But, um, oh my God, she is who they would cast, though, if they redid this. Uh, Yeah, probably, yeah. So anyhow, but let me just say, 
<clears throat> from trans folks that I and uh, uh, fans of queer cinema um, that have watched this film have really, really lauded her performance because they feel as if, despite her young age, that she's really sort of capturing that that discomfort that or that anxiety or that shyness that somebody would feel if they were, you know, different than everybody else. Right. Or or couldn't be forthright with who they really are. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if that's overstating it because it's not like she had that big of a hill to climb. She just had to be sort of doe eyed and, and uncomfortable. But I think that's selling it short. I think she really does do something good with it. Yeah. Were you affected by her performance? I mean, did you like it? Oh yeah, I like her a lot. I, I did want to say real quick, like we—I mean, I know I said spoilers earlier, but just to put in context what we're talking about here, big spoilers for the end. If you want to see this movie, uh, stop now, go watch it. Uh, three, two, one. Okay, uh, Angela is a boy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's an important part. Uh, alluded, I alluded to it in Nansum with a lot of uh, hilarious dick jokes, um, but yeah, she is a boy. Because uh, we have we do have a prologue to this movie where it's a, a dad and his two kids. They're out on a little, you know, just a little sailboat kind of thing. Just like a one. Yeah. What is that? Does that like boat a, have like a, a sailboat? Yeah. Really. But it's not like a big. It's like a very small sailboat. Yeah. I don't know how else to describe it. I'm sure there's some very technical nautical term. Um, and the kids from the camp are out water skiing. And there's a boating accident. The dad. And one of the children dies. And so then as the then so that's like the end of the prologue. And as the movie's opening up, yeah, it's Ricky and Angela going to camp. So you're like, oh, okay, the girl lived. But it turns out the aunt is a little crazy. Always wanted a girl. Actually, the boy survived. Yeah. And she was just like, you're a girl now. Uh, so the, uh, so then that's the, you know, the uh, big reveal at the end. We do and, see a penis. And and is it ever like I have I have read some things that try to and I think this is a mistake because just because of the lines of dialogue. But some people try to say that maybe Martha, Aunt Martha wasn't twisted and that maybe the child had such like trauma or whatever. Like we don't really know the extent of the child's injuries. We know yeah. that they have a massive head bandage. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Like, and I get it. Like that's to hide the hair, right. but it is, it's like a bike helmet. <laughs> so <laughs> bandage. Yes. It's like, um, who are those? Like the mushroom? Is it Mario? Where there's like yeah, it's the, a yeah. toad. It looks, it looks like toad. Absolutely. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's that, and they've tried to say you can like, now pick Angela in Mario Kart. It's great, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, I've heard some people try to justify that maybe Martha isn't crazy. That's insane. No, because, because she. She, and this is something I picked up. Yeah, she's like, I filled out the phys- like you have to bring your physicals to camp. I filled them out. I'm a doctor. It's so that another doctor didn't look at Angela and be right. like, uh, this is obviously a boy. Yes. Now, I will say something, though. Now, this is and I, I kind of wanted to save this for later because I I think it's so fucking cool. It's probably the coolest thing. And the most artistically deft thing that this movie does. It uses its placement 
of flashbacks in probably a better way than any film I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, we get important flashbacks with like eight minutes to go. <laughs> like it, like normally all that stuff would be front loaded at the beginning. Yeah. Even if it was a flashback, they still would show it to you at the beginning so that you had an idea, but you get like just fucking sucker punched with these like weird and sometimes artistically filmed Yeah, they're just done in like, it's like a black box theater almost. Yes. Like you have the kids because the dad is gay. I'm I'm assuming secretly. Yeah. Um, But yeah, there's like a flashback scene where the kids see the dad and his lover in bed. Right. Uh, Just, you know, just cuddling. Yeah. It's a very sweet scene. But yeah, it is. It's like totally black background and it's just, it's just a bed. And then you see the scene where it's it's like that scene. uh, Do you remember? Uh. Family Ties, the very special oh, episode. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Like where Alex P. Keaton was like reliving his dead friend. Like that conversations with God or whatever it is. Or, yeah. 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 It's like that. But yeah. I just it thought is. of that episode. It is. Yeah. We watched that in dramatic arts class. I wonder if my brother remembers that episode of TV. <laughs> um, but, but like, <laughs> this uh, podcast is going to become a series of me calling out my brother for not remembering anything from our childhood. Do you remember the one where Tom Hanks is uh, uh, Meredith Baxter Burns? He's the dead guy. He's the dead no, friend. No, it's his friend that, that dies. It's not the uncle. It's not the uncle that drinks the maraschino cherries to get the alcohol. That's Tom Hanks. That's Meredith Baxter oh, Burns. That's brother. right. But the guy who died is also someone. It's Maybe his not as he's not a Tom Hanks level guy, but he's he like went on to be someone. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, great episode. Yeah, but but yeah, you're right. There's even a scene where we get these sort of allusions to kind of this. Uh, what will I call it? A, a gender um, ambiguity mm-hmm. uh, where the the character, the little boy of Peter is sort of pointing across the bed at yeah. Angela. Yeah. And we it, we're supposed to be picking up something from that. And it's it's very interesting. And, it, yeah. and it's it's really well done. And it it takes this movie to a level that is a little bit higher than the rest of the film would would have it. Yeah, which I think is very cool. And and when those flashbacks come in is so interesting that they would choose to insert them where they do because it doesn't it doesn't feel like a setup to that all of a sudden we're there and we're like oh god that's what's happening yeah so well done now do you think that uh i hope this isn't too woke for you tim Mm -hmm. but just the uh, making the dad gay Mm -hmm. like seems to be some sort of like this is also why angela is the way that she is sure. Like she saw gay men and that could also (laughs) fuck you up. Well, it's funny. Um, This is a wildly queer movie. Yes. And, and but that bit seemed to me more tone deaf than just the reveal at the end. Well, it's the director was asked about the, the like hyper queer. And I shouldn't say tone deaf. And when I say queer, I, I I'm not, it's just the word. I mean, right. I'm, I'm not using it in it's 80s the Q reference. in the LGBTQ. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the the overt hyper queerness of this movie, the director was asked about it, and he just replied, "He's like, um, how do you say it? He said uh, it's called foreshadowing." <laughs> so I, you might be onto something because I think that if he's considering that foreshadowing, yeah. then he just proved your point, which is a, a sort of misinformation on his part that somehow gayness or exposed to 
exposure to a gay lifestyle is somehow the the impetus for a trans existence, yeah. which are two totally different things. Yeah. Um, but yes, I but think, I could see someone in 1983 yes. not experiencing those things, just being like, they're like the same thing. You're, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I th- and I think that's what it was. It was just. Uh, but there's also a part of me who's like, wow, how nice to see. Because they're not they're not painted villainously. No, it's actually. So very it is, yeah, tender. it's like, wow, what a nice expressive gay relationship in a 1983 movie and you know here's what's funny if we're going to talk about this let's talk about it so here's what's interesting about what was some of the poor behavior on on the part of our generation or any generation prior to that when it comes to homosexuality and the truth of it is when my friends and I were watching, because like I've told you, this was the first time that I've watched this movie all the way through. Yeah. But I had seen clips. I think we had started it. We were just bigger fans of the second film, but we at least started watching this. And so we did see some of the, the homosexual scenes in it. And I think what we were giggling at wasn't so much in retrospect, a sort of like, oh, look at those gay guys pointing fingers, laughing. I think what it was, was that we were sort of made uncomfortable with our own insecurity by their tenderness. <laughs> sure. By, by their it's humanity with each other. I mean, it's, it's right. just humans. And I, I think that. Like it was it portrayed in an actual love relationship, sure. not just, this is just a sexual thing. So it wasn't us, resp- like, I'm not trying to excuse our reaction to it as 12 and 13 year old or 10 or 11, 12 year olds watching it. But I think our reaction wasn't a dismissal or a put down of gay lifestyle. I think it was just that we were immature 12 year olds (laughs) and we're watching a mature relationship. Yeah. And we just didn't, it made us feel like, uh, like we can't handle that. I will say John's boyfriend. I don't remember his name, but (laughs) that guy ate like, the lower 95% of him is like really hot, like really nice body, like in shape, nice tan. And then like just the weirdest bald. I mean, it's not a weird bald pattern, but just seems so out of place. Like he's got the, you know, cookie, the clown, like just the top, the the top with the ring around. Yeah. It just looks so odd. Yes. Yeah. And I know it's just a low budget movie and they were just like, Tom, will you be in my movie for a minute? You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know, just seeing that guy's. And then when they show him early, like in one of the flashbacks, he has a full head of hair. Oh, well, that's strange. I didn't yeah. catch that. Yeah. A lot of, lot of hair. Maybe uh, just inconsistencies talk- in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not the only one. <laughs> no. Right. It's yeah. It's really now that I think about it, there are several hair in, in various parts of the body. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think that the, there are, and I, I really wanted, in fact, I really actually personally wanted to reach out to a fellow, uh, a fellow, uh, person within the horror, uh, show weekly show world that we're in now. Uh-huh. Um, who is a, trying to say another podcaster? Well, but it's not really. He's he's kind of got his own thing. He does it uh, more of like a watch party kind of thing. Oh, oh okay. Um, and uh, and I wanted to reach out to him because I really 
I felt like it was my responsibility to speak to a gay person about this movie to get that that broader perspective. I didn't have a chance to do that, but so I tried to read as much as I could from uh, gay and trans uh, uh, folks that have have written about this movie. And what's funny is is that a lot of them really love it, and a lot of them, and they kind of admit that they're like there wasn't a lot to go with at that time. Like there wasn't a lot of trans anything <laughs> right. in 83 or, you know, the early eighties anywhere. So they sort of wear it as like, um, it's kind of like a, like a comfort blanket, you sure. know, like a security blanket. Like yeah. it's, it's something that is like, Hey, they didn't get everything right, but at least they were touching on it. Right. And I, and it made Some representation. Me, right. And if there is some, any representation is good representation. Yeah. And if you're, and if you're, let's say a, a gay young man at 12 or 13 years old and you're at a sleepover and, you know, maybe you're, you haven't come out yet and you're watching a movie where you're seeing somebody struggle with some of those things that you yourself are going through. Yeah. There's probably an affinity there. Yeah. Um, even though they don't, maybe don't hit every right note, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, again, it's, you take what you can get. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, in that regard, I think the movie is, is wildly unique because of that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. The closest thing that you could have is maybe like, um, and it's only barely hinted at with like Norman Bates and psycho. Um, yeah. And, and I, and who knows what's going on there, but, uh, no, but I think it's, it's treated as well as 1983 could treat <laughs> sure, it, you yeah. know? And, um, so, so we have. Well, and that. I also don't think it plays into. It's not like, oh, they're a killer because they're trans. Well, that's the big like, question. That's well, that's yeah. the thing that a lot of people are who are naysayers are concerned about because some people do take it that way, okay. and they think that it's very. Well, I would just, you know, I would say it's just compounded by the because yes, as the aunt forces this young boy to identify as a girl, like that's you know. I would again. Let's. I can't wait to get off this slippery fucking slope. But oh. we're two more minutes on this fucking slope, and then we can talk about yes. some accents and short shorts. Um. Uh. But you know, it's like, and and we were talking about this earlier, where it's not, you know, it's not Angela's making that choice, and you know, now we, you know, have to be accepting as to how this person identifies. It's someone else, like putting an identity on someone. It it like that's abusive. It is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yes, the, you know, trauma that she's never received there or that he's never received therapy for on top of now you also must live your life completely differently. Uh, you know, textbook, does that lead someone to murder? No, but you know, uh, pushed over the edge in the right scenarios. Sure. Why not? I don't know. I will get you off this slope in the easiest, nicest way. Yeah. And, and it's, it makes it so simple. The director was asked about the whole nature of uh, Angela being trans, you know, or forced trans or whatever you want to call it. And literally, there is no bigger statement than him saying, I needed a twist ending. (laughs) Literally, that was his. I needed I needed a twist ending. It's a great twist. ending. (laughs) It is. So so that sort of I don't want to, like, pull the rug out from anybody that's like heaped you know just a paragraph upon paragraph of gender studies writing on this movie but i just don't think it was thought through like that right he literally said i needed a twist 
I, I wanted the audience to be shocked by something in the beginning. And then I wanted them to be, have something to talk about when they left the theater. Okay. And that's well, where it all comes from. Yeah. And did they ever, I'm Perfect. sure. All right. Well, let's get off. Let's, let's talk about something safe, like the pedophile in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> we can all agree on that, oh, man. What a piece of shit. Yeah. That, I mean, I do kind of love the balls of this movie because, you know, yeah, we have our little epilogue and then a very short brief scene in the house. And then we're at camp the rest of the movie. And yeah, it's like credits are rolling. Kids are getting off the bus. And like the first lines of camp are like, look at uh, look at these kids from where I'm from. We call them baldies <laughs> like, right away. You're just like, what the fuck? Like the most reprehensible guy in uh, nearly any movie. Yes. And that and that is another scene I saw when I was young was his accident. And there, I think there's something about the POV kills in this movie. Because, yeah. you know, it's like, a you know, you don't see the killer, obviously, until the end. Uh, but yeah, the like creeping into the door and like just seeing hands freaked me out as a yeah. kid. Cause it's like, oh, it could be anybody. Um, <laughs> if, if only I had waited until the end, I could have been a completely different person. Um, <laughs> growing up, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but, but yeah, this guy is like the fucking worst. And a, what I kind of like is they waste no time in letting you know how awful he is, and then they waste no time in getting him the fuck out of the movie. Yeah, right, yes. Like, I'm so glad I don't have to hang around with the child molester, like... Yeah. And and I'm... And you know me, like, I will... I will go to those dark places when it comes to comedy. Sure. But I'm even sitting there watching that, and I'm like, <laughs> my God. God, like yeah. they are really pushing it here. Um, but you're right. Thank God they do it. And like they, he's just like short of just like wringing his hands and licking his lips as they're walking. Right. By. He's just like, well, yeah. Yeah. And the fact that the rest of the guys are kind of like, oh, that's just how he is. Right. You know, you know him. Yeah. Loving those baldies. And, um, you know, it's creepy as hell. But you're right. And thank God that he dies early. And thank God that he well, dies. Well, he doesn't even die. And that's oh, the best part. You're right. You're right. Because he... Probably the most reprehensible character in the movie. The one who deserves whatever happens to him. Yeah. Uh, is great because he doesn't die. It's even worse. Because he, he's assaulting this, like, a giant pot of corn yeah. that he's making for the camp. And, yeah, the, the killer comes in, pulls his chair while he's up top. And now he's kind of, like, hang, like, oh, like, his... Center balances off to where he's over the top of it and has no option left but to fall and pull a 55 gallon drum yeah. of boiling water. A onto Sam's him. Club <laughs> vat of corn. It's the biggest pot I've ever seen. Like <laughs> the guys in the military are like, where the fuck are you going to keep that pot? Like you can't cook in that. Uh, but yeah, and just like his screen. Oh, first, all you see are the hands and they're already just fucking gnarled and burned. And then you see his face. Like the special effects in this movie are awesome. I loved them. Uh, and his face is just all like fucking blistered and boils. And I mean, he looks like Freddy Krueger, like, uh, yeah. but not a demon version of Freddy Krueger, you know, just like he's fucked up, but he doesn't, you know, he's not dead. He's just going to like suffer the rest of his life. Now you've been around um, espresso machines. Yeah. Have you ever burned yourself on the foaming wand before? Yeah. 
here's what I'm getting at. If you've ever really burned yourself, I don't mean like you accidentally, you were ironing something, you were hurrying up for a wedding and you'd like touched your leg or something like that before you had your pants on or what have you. I mean, like if you really burn, burn yourself, a burn is the worst because it never stops. It doesn't get better. And they really capture that agony because they don't exactly make it a quick scene. I mean, when he's screaming in pain and they've got him bandaged, bandaged up as well as they can, probably pumped with as much morphine as they can get in him without killing him. And he's still just in constant agony. And if you've been burned before, you know that like, yeah, that doesn't go away. Like he is in hell, literal hell. It's great. And it's great. (laughs) Thank God for it. Yeah. Um, So good. Um, But you already like day one. Like, this guy doesn't even, he's not even, like, um, predatory about it. He's just like, hey, uh, you know, because Angela's not eating. So, like, hey, Angela uh, isn't eating something. Well, I'll find her something in the back room. And he takes it in the back room. He's like, all right, I'm taking my pants off now. Like, not even, like, I'm going to wait for the right moment. Just like, yeah, like, literally the whole camp is on the other side of this wall. I'm just going to do my business right now. Right. Guys are working in the kitchen. Like, there's no, they're not alone. It's like, he's like, you know, some people are Chevy people and some people are Ford people. Like, I'm a pedophile. I rape kids, you know. It's like, you're at work, dude. Like. (laughs) Yeah, if nothing else, else you should be has working. to break some work etiquette. <laughs> yeah, <right>? like <laughs> so. Now you mentioned real quick, and I, I have to say this because of how exciting it is. You mentioned the effects. There is one effect in this movie that is so goddamn good. I don't think I've seen its equal. Um, I know exactly because I and rewound direct- it. I don't know how many times to try and figure out how they, they killed did it. that actor. I'm they telling you right now, they murdered him. Yes, because an arrow flies into our the camp owner's <laughs> neck. Yes. And it is not a cut. It's he's just standing there going, oh, and then <laughs> boom, a fucking arrow <laughs> flies into his neck. Well, it, it's no secret that that was this was that actor's last film. I think they just fucking killed him. I think they did. They just murdered him on screen. And it's, it's like the best effect ever. Go. I'm done. And uh, I'm telling you, it's so good that um, I mean, th- like you said, there's no cut. There's no CGI. There's nothing. And um, and it's funny because to this day, the director refuses to say how that effect was achieved. He's like, see he's, it come out the back. It's not also just like some. I don't know because you can you can see the yeah. through his neck you can well yeah you, you see both sides of it you see and it's not like just a cheap profile shot no it's like a three quarter where I can see you know enough of the front of the throat to see it's not just like some trick you know like because there is a part in this movie where a guy's like acting like he's swallowing a giant pole to yeah. where he's like turning his head and it's like blocking with his body. Like they're not blocking the no. thing with his body. No, you he perfectly, blocked the arrow with his throat. As a viewer, you actually, you know, and you, like you said, you can rewind it a million times. You actually see where this actor was murdered on the set of <laughs> sleepaway camp. Um, it's that good. And he's, he, cause he's always asked about two things. Um, and he cuts people off before they even ask. He's like, yes, the dick was real. I'm not going to tell you how we did the arrow. Wow. And because it's that good. Holy balls. It's, it's good. so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and now it's not to say that. I mean, some of the effects. Well, it's not even effects. Some of the choices of how to go about the kills are so uh, tame that 
a lot of them are done in sort of like a silhouette. Um, sure. And almost to the point where you're like, were they aiming for like a, a TV movie here? Like there are times where this movie pushes it so far, yeah. but yet pulls back in weird times. Well, yeah, too. Some of them are like, you can't show someone putting a curling iron in their vagina. Well, I wanted like, to you ask know. you if <laughs> that's because I know that's where my mind went, but I wanted to yeah. make sure it's not just me. Right. Yeah. That's what she did. Right. Although I will say my, uh, I just like watched it on my computer. Yeah. So my kid was in the office with me, not really watching it. Yeah. But she could hear her like screaming and she was like, man, I don't remember what she said. I'm like, she just like put a curling iron in her vagina. She's like, would that kill her though? I'm like, yeah, it just kind of seems like it would torture her a little bit, but she was, you know, also maybe suffocating her with the pillow. Yeah. So I don't know if that's where the death came from, but you know, it, regardless, very effective as far as like a reaction assuming it's plugged in otherwise well, yeah, it's just, just having fun it. she was yeah. uh, oh that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> right yeah no it i you're right that is things are set up very well in this movie like yeah. i don't i never felt like where did that come from or what's that all about no that's true it's very true but you know it's it's kind of funny when the director uh was concerned about the rating for the movie, it obviously all tied into the final scene. So you've got full frontal male nudity. And he was really, really concerned that he was going to get an X, yeah. which was going to kill distribution. Um, he got a phone call from one of the producers and he's like, I've got some bad news. And he's like, God damn, here, here it comes. And he's like, we got an R rating. And he said he has <laughs> never exhaled as deeply as he did on that phone call. And then he had to pretend like, Oh, geez. Yeah, oh, we just man. got an art like thinking he was going to absolutely get banned, you know, right. um, because I mean, shit, what we don't... the hell did they think they were making? Well, yeah, and it, it is. It is an interesting this be PG. But, you know, isn't that funny, though, that like what I'm getting at with some of those kills being in silhouette, it's like they go so far in some regards and then really, I mean, maybe it's a budgetary thing yeah. because it's a lot cheaper to have somebody like lift their hands up in a shadow and shaking and moaning or whatever yeah. um, than anything else. But, um, but yeah, you're right. It's like, yeah. And this movie has like half, you know, it's not like every kill is trying to top itself. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. There's one, she just kind of dunk, you know, drowns a kid in the lake, just like dunks his head under the water. But then there's another, where she like stabs a girl through the shower and fucking cuts all the way down yeah. her back. Yeah. Like that part is so brutal. I love it. It is. And you know what's it, what just you being affected by that makes me think of is that there was an interview with Felissa Rose where she was talking about something that's hard to sort of wrap your mind around. And that is the idea that we live in a world now in 2022 of of a of an awareness of these films and creative kills and over the top kills but to just for a second pause and remember that there was a time where some of this stuff was new right and that the idea of thinking of an audience seeing you know whatever it is uh, uh you know somebody killed with a a hive of bees or have the the entire length of their back you know uh slit down or whatever like these these audiences were not conditioned to this yet, <laughs> right. which makes it so cool. Like, God, what I wouldn't do to go watch this in like 1983 oh. in, a, in a in a cinema somewhere. Yeah, you know? like that would be so great. But that's what's really neat to think about is that they were really getting at people with this stuff. Um, 
and uh, and I think that they are really effective. They they do the the one thing that's a little iffy is that in the second film, and I, I I promise I won't talk much about it, but just to say that they do a pretty good job of saying that like, oh, uh, you know, the murderer just sent people home, so you can kind of ride the believability of it for a while. In this movie, it seems like there's no clear head at the top of the pile. Like the guy that runs the camp is literally insane, descends into madness, right? <laughs> which is pretty hysterical uh, because he really goes for it. And it's it's not to great effect, but it's hysterical. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, he just easily comes to the conclusion a child. I mean, while he is right, a child is committing these murders like to just be like, I know it. I'm a hundred percent positive. It's this kid. I'm going to beat the shit out of him. For right. It. Like almost like he couldn't wait to kill him even before the murder started happening. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, it, it does feel a little bit silly in some parts with where the murders really start to ramp up and things are just kind of normal, but I don't know. Maybe that's what you would do in that situation. I have no sure. idea, but, um, but we do have some other really cool characters. Uh, yes. We do have the character of what? What is our bodybuilder's name? I was trying to look that up earlier, and uh, and then I got distracted. But yeah, he's like the assistant to Mel. Yeah, uh, and he is the most like he's got a Schwarzenegger body. Yeah, like it is just like the perfect pecs. His fucking biceps are enormous, and his clothes are. Two sizes too small. Yes. And he gestures. He seems to be packing everywhere except for one point. Right. <laughs> yeah. That might explain a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, kudos to him for still wearing the tight shorts. Like, I know not much here, but I'm going to show it to you. Right. And yeah, maybe, maybe things change when, you know, in the magic hour. But right. Yes. Uh, There's showers and growers. For those of for those of you who are familiar with bodybuilding, more of a Franco Colombo. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, really, really well muscled guy um, who happens to be the kindest individual on the face of the planet. Like you expect I don't know why, just because he's got big muscles, you expect him to be like such a jerk or mean or impatient. Yeah. But he is literally the sweetest man he's ever. So lived. gentle and like attentive to the kids never seems put out at what his job is. Ronnie. His name is Ronnie. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, he's, you know, I mean, I guess the worst thing he does is just like leave Angela in the care of like the pedo chef that everyone right. knows is a pedophile. Uh, but still, you know, he's like, he likes to see the best in people. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he likes to think that maybe the, yeah. the cook isn't a He's pedophile. like the, uh, he's the, he's the uh, like butler in Clockwork Orange. Like, yeah, he's just kind of this nice, g- giant, gentle guy. Yeah. If. Mr. Rogers was a muscle bound Italian yeah. from Long Island <laughs> that, you know, but he's, yeah, he's, he's very sweet. And I love that character in this movie because it, it, there's got it, his own shack. He's always like, come over to my shack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the, he's the counselor that you would want to have, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, really great in that regard. There is one counselor, however, who balances those scales because she is a bitch. And what is her name? Is it Meg? Is she a counselor? She's a counselor. Yes. Yes, she is. She's a counselor. And she's so shitty. 
Yes, Are she you is. Sure? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because she is challenged by the nice female counselor. Uh-huh. But no, yeah, she herself is a counselor. Now, oh wait, is Meg the one who gets Yeah, Meg cuz remember Meg is Oh, gonna... she's stabbed. Oh, okay. Yes, she is a counselor. She is a counselor okay. and she is a bitch. Okay. Um, but who's the who's the other girl? Sue, is that her name? Shit. Are you talking about the mean girl? Yeah. Okay. She, now, <laughs> funny you say that. She looks like she could be a counselor. <laughs> I mean, facially, right, yeah, she looks they, like she's like yeah. 25. Um, it's, uh, oh, shit. What's, Judy. Judy. Yeah. Judy. Played by an actress, Karen something or other. Karen Fields. Yeah. And, and apparently just the nicest girl on the planet. Just oh, the good. salt of the earth. But for whatever reason, and he really, really, the director yeah, really wanted a, a real, really good manipulative. Yeah. I just got hot girl. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to use it. The director really wanted a, a blonde. He really wanted like a mean blonde, maybe picture like a uh, maybe Blair from Facts of Life and her, her lesser moments. Yeah. Um, and he really wanted that. But he's like, this girl comes in and she is another brunette. And he really wanted to separate that from Angela. But he's like, this girl just fucking knocked it out of the park. Like, yeah. I got that's my that's my duty. So he cast her. OK, so Meg, here was my thing. Yeah. Because, yes, she is a counselor, mm-hmm. and I know, because she has the night off one of these, like the, the last night. She's got the night off. And then she goes up to Mel and is like, hey, Mel, how about that dinner you promised me? So uh, it's obvious they're going to fuck. Um, but to me, as someone who all his counselors were like 16, <laughs> I'm like, this is real gross. Because Mel is just like, uh, yeah, all right, well, let's do this. And for just for a point of reference for viewers that haven't seen the movie, Mel uh, looks like he took his face off and then put it back on again. So that and Meg, and Meg is kind of good looking. And he's like, he looks like he's seventy five years old. Yeah, right, because he is. Yeah, and he's just always smoking a cigar. He's just a disgusting looking guy. Yeah, and she goes for him. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it. But um, yeah. Daddy issues. Like, there are a lot of good-looking guys at that camp. Sure. I mean, if any... Well, no, I'm not going to say that. But I'm just saying, she goes in way too far of it. Like, pick a... I'm not saying... I am not saying pick one of the more attractive campers. Right. But somehow that seems better than the cigar-smoking, you know, like sack of leather yeah that you can't wait to get your hands around um i i don't get it i don't even know how they even made that like they thought that was plausible right um because you find yourself they just as had a, to find a reason to get meg into a shower right yeah and uh and thank god they do because that is a nice kill it's it's yeah. a nice it's i mean it's one thing to be you know a straight jab of a knife into the stomach or a throat slit but yeah, that's straight down the back, and it's kind of a little uh, extended time-wise. Yeah, it takes a it while. Looks painful. Yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, she does keep kind of thrusting herself back on it. Probably so, doesn't help. Yeah, there's a little, you know, a little right. movie magic going yeah. on here. But again, even that, I'm like, fine. I don't care. Like, I'm so, especially by this point, so into the movie. Like, any any kind of logistic like uh, irregularity, I'm like, I don't give a shit. Now, let me ask you this question. Speaking of of what what you're buying or not buying, it's impossible for me to answer this question because I've seen too many documentaries or whatever. Even before I saw this movie front to back, 
maybe you don't have a memory good enough to to know precisely how you took it in because it kind of seems like Angela being the killer seems like information that you've always known your whole life, right? Like mm-hmm. two plus two is four. To a person who had never, ever, ever seen this movie before and never knew anything about it, how obvious is it that Angela is the killer? Or is it not obvious at all? Well, I mean, the, when I finally watched it all the way through, it you know, I I think you like are like, yeah, I guess it has to be, right? Because it, it does seem the most logical of a reveal like it's not just going to be like oh it was the counselor you know camper mike over here like you know no that's not (laughs) going to be um so yeah at the end you're like okay it's either paul or it's angela because angela's acts very weird at the end so you're like either that's a red herring and it's paul or angela is weird and it turns out angela is weird uh but but the the penis reveal is I mean, that is, you know, if you haven't seen this movie, that is a scene while we talk about it like, oh, yes, that's the reveal. It uh, is when you see it, it is burned into your brain. It is such a weird shot. I mean, it's there's two different shots because they wanted they wanted Angela to do it, but wear a prosthetic penis. And I think it was her mom who was like, no, she's 13. So they got a they did a prosthetic head of Angela, which looks fucking great for a three hundred fifty thousand dollar budget movie in nineteen eighty three. Yes, and put that on a real boy. So yes. real dick, college fake student, face, local college, yeah, student. local college kid who then uh, like was like, I will never reveal who I am. Like, no one knows. That's the third part. You'll never find out how they did the arrow thing. <laughs> what, what was the other one? Um, how they did the arrow thing. And um, well, that the dick was real. Oh, I mean, he, he real. comes okay. right out okay. and says yeah. that. Yeah. And then you'll never know whose dick that was. But, but, but by the way, though, but what you're <clears throat> describing, though. Yes. It's, wait, I'm not even done describing yeah. it, though. Because also. So, yeah, it's Angela holding a severed. Is she holding the head or the knife? Oh, she, the head drops. The head's yeah. on the ground. Holding a knife, standing there. There's also, you know, and I know they did this to mask the mask, but there's this weird kind of shadow that drapes across, like, the upper torso, and so that we do then get the rest of the body in this full light. But also, Angela's making this noise that she has not made at all. This whole movie is no. like this, like, ah, ah, like this weird animalistic guttural and she's just, you know, and uh, because it's a mask, but it also looks real. And it's she just has like this, her mouth's agape, and it's fucking so iconic looking. Like when I saw that the first time, I was just like, I think that's what it's solidified. I was like, this movie's fucking off the. R- I love this movie so much. You see that effect, and if you if you pick it apart. None of it should work like the body in its proportion is in a hairy chest and like, you know, broad shouldered and and like lots of torso and just it 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 absolutely is not the body that we've been seeing on this girl. But it's like a glaringly different. Yeah, right. But but and you're right. The choice of the mask is is a bold one. But holy God, it's got to be one of the best masks I've ever seen in my entire so life. Good. Yeah, 
I mean, and I know the lighting of it helps, but it's not like totally obscured, right? You know, you you are like, oh, that's Angela, because there is a bit earlier when Judy dies with the curling iron, yeah. Because this movie does the happy birthday to me thing of every person who dies, you get the, uh, oh, it's you. And then they're dead. Yeah. Yeah. So anytime Angela shows up, it's the, oh, it's you. So Meg's like, or Judy's trying to skip the social and is sitting in the bunk alone. Now they do a shot where they're, you know, she sees a silhouette at the door. That looks to me like Ricky in a wig. Yes. Yes. Which I think they try, but it's obs- that's obscured enough where I think that's there to purposely where you're like, oh, what? Oh, is that Ricky? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, you know, yeah. obviously in, you're in the theater, you're not, rewind that, you know. Right, yeah. It's just enough and in, in enough shadow. Um, I had a, a whole point to that. But, I, uh, yeah. The, but I get, but what, yeah. What was I saying? <laughs> but what I'm saying though, but but yes, the effect is it's there really aren't words for it. It's not so much about like Oh, the, that's how that's what my point is. Yeah. That's how realistic that effect looked, because even earlier you see something that is not quite her. Right. And even the thing that is not quite her at all looks very much like her and it does yeah because that's what's so weird about it and you make a great point because you you hit all you you checked all the boxes it's the sound coming out of her mouth it's the obvious static expression on her face because it's a mask it's the penis it's everything but it's more than that it's all of it together and it's it's, but it's also what the fuck's his name again uh the bodybuilder oh ronnie ronnie it's also ronnie going oh my god She's a boy. <laughs> She's right. a boy all along. Yeah. In between. <laughs> right. Right. And, there's, and then boom, credits. Like, that's it. And and then, not, I mean, talk about, like, not, not trying to hide an effect. The whole credits are her face. Yes. In this sort of cool, like, green and black, like, you yeah. know, that's another style. Yeah, my kid saw that, and she's like, I like when a movie does this. Yeah. Where it's just like, here's our last image. We're just going to kind of chroma key up like one color on it and yeah. there you go that's it so badass and so iconic and i think what it is is now this is hard to put into words but whatever is a little discombobulating about the effect itself from a technical standpoint actually mirrors what we're feeling as the shock of the reveal <laughs> right like Oh my God, I wasn't expecting that. That is so weird. And the effect is kind of weird, but, but like they all, it all rolls into each other. Like it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And it's so, I don't care who you are or what you've been through. Like you are in that moment, you are feeling what those counselors are feeling where it's like, what the fuck? Now he should mention this movie also does have one very, very bad special effect. Oh, and it's a mustache. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> now, this I this is the first time I noticed because I had noticed the other times I'd watched this at the end cuz yeah, there's there's one part where you kind of think, "Oh, this is a red herring part." Uh cuz one of the counselors has taken a lot of the little kids out to camp in the woods and he goes, "I don't remember why he leaves them." But then he comes back and they're 
fucking slaughtered. (laughs) Yes. Ripped bags, everything. But there's a part of you that's like, well, certainly they're not killing all the children in this movie. But it's like, oh, they don't get up. No, they are dead. You're waiting for them to like be like, ha, we're playing a prank on you. And they're the little ones. (laughs) They're like the (laughs) eight year olds. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. But But a cop shows up. Then, at, you know, at the very end of the movie, and he has, like, this horrid jet black, like, square. And, like, you can't see, like, the, it looks like it's taped on. Like, it's not that bad where you can see the tape. Yeah. But they make the mistake of, like, it's enough where if you're, it's, it's night out. You just kind of have them in shots with a lot of people. But they're just like, nope. We're going to give this guy a fucking close up. Yes. Just so you can see this mustache. So like that part has always, you know, stuck out to me the the, the couple times I watched this. But then watching it this time, I realize early in their movie when she kills the kid in the lake and they find him the next morning under the canoe, the cops come and it's the same cop. But he has a real mustache here. So I can only imagine they filmed this movie linearly. He fucked up. <laughs> he went and shaved his mustache, and they were like, we still need you for the end of this movie. And he was like, oh, uh. And they're like, we'll just put a fucking. And there's a part of me that's like, maybe they were, because I'm, I, again, I'm fabricating this whole scenario in my head. But I see a scenario where he accidentally shaves his mustache, and then the director's like, I'm going to put a dumb, fake fucking mustache on you, and do a close-up of your dumb fucking face <laughs> with this fake mustache because you're an idiot. And you're screwing my perfect movie up. Now get your ass down to Jimbo's costume emporium <laughs> and get your ass back here and let's film this shit. Yeah, it is literally the quintessential, like, not- like it doesn't even look like a fake mustache. It looks like a child's interpretation of a fake mustache. Yes, yeah. <laughs> It literally it now don't get me wrong. You're not going to find it at like a party city. You got to go a little higher. It's like a low mid grade Halloween costume plays. No, this you're finding this at Dollar Tree. (laughs) Yes, it's bad. It's bad. You know, but one thing I will say as far as uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, and I am really fighting the urge to go to the bathroom. I'm going to push through it. I'm going to push through it. Um, (laughs) So. One thing that this movie does as far as authenticity is one. And I was something I was really impressed by. And it's going to sound like the stupidest thing in the world, but how much camp they put into this movie. Yeah. Like it's not all just kills and setups. Like they do spend a lot of time, just like the kind of relationship stuff between like kids not getting along. Yeah. But what's so great about it is that it's not just like Midwestern kids not getting along. It's these East coast kids. So I wrote down, what did I write down here? One kid goes up to Angela, one of the, you know, the mixers, the socials. And granted, we've we've made some strides as far as like mental health and gender identity and, you know, kindness all the way around. But when this one kid just says, um, hey, Angela, how come you're so fucked up? <laughs> Like, just looks at her in the face. Like, he could have said, like, why are you sitting by yourself? Why are you so quiet? Hey, Angela, why are you so fucked up? Right. It's so great. And you're just like, well, I guess, you know, that's just how it is. It's a great question. Now, there is one thing, and this is (laughs) – 
it's so silly, but like the one thing, like a, a parenting instinct that just leapt out of me as I was watching the movie. There is a scene where kids are playing with water balloons on a roof. <laughs> on a roof. <laughs> right. They are having a water balloon fight. <laughs> on a roof. Yeah. It's like, you know what would make this more fun? You know what would raise the stakes? <laughs> the threat of breaking a bone. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, the pitch of the ground that we're on. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, because also the cabins are kind of stilted yes. up. Like it's, you know, there's an extra half floor you're falling if you yeah. fall off that roof. It might be a 512 pitch. I used to work at Menards. Oh, man. Um, yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of silly. Actually, um, go to the bathroom. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'll talk about, because yeah, there there is also the great scene camaraderie where they're playing baseball and there you can have like a scene in a movie that's not about baseball where people are playing baseball and it can go on too long like if i go back to happy birthday to me that weird uh bike race they go to that lasts so long this is just like a fun little game uh and the kids are playing and it's got the probably the quote most people remember outside of the dick reveal and one of the guys who's batting is like, hey, Ricky, eat shit and die. And Ricky turns to the guy and goes, eat shit and live, Bill. And it's uh, I don't know if anyone's ever really used that. I really thought Tim would be back by this point at the end of the story. Um, but, you know, eat shit and live, which is a nice. Is it supposed to be a nice thing to say? Well, what's your take on eat shit and live? <laughs> Um, it is wonderful, I think, <laughs> because, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, we hear these uh, insults, uh, just hurled around, you know, for years and years and years, but it is the best comeback <laughs> that you can have to that. Right. But like I said, it's the fact that he attaches the person's name to the end of it, <laughs> right. that it's, that it really just makes it serious. Like, you know, eat shit and live bill. Yeah. But he doesn't. He's not mean about it. He's like, eat shit and live, Bill. Right? Yeah. Like, have you thought about the opposite? Have you thought about the other side of that coin? Right. Yeah. yeah Which maybe, I will maybe also there's say, there's a worse fate. <laughs> right. <laughs> but some great heads up baseball too. Like they turn a killer double double play yeah. to win the game. Yeah. But you know, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like. That baseball scene is fairly extended. Like, yeah, but it's not too long. You, while you were peeing, I was I went back to Happy Birthday to Me. Like that bike race they go to mm. that is so long. Yes, like this is not. You know, I'm I'm not like, am I watching a fucking baseball movie? Right. You yeah. Know? No, that's it's just true. enough to have the boys be boys, and you know, little fucking grab ass and jawing. <laughs> right. Only the way one that all guy, they can do. You know, two or three guys with half shirts. Yeah. <laughs> two to three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, my half shirt said USA on it. Maybe that's why it made me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe that was a statement on like, like he's cutting off the lower like hemisphere of the shirt and keeping just the USA. No, mine did when I was a kid. Oh, my okay. half shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Yes, uh, the movie does seem to fit in because the runtime isn't excessive. I mean, it's no, it's like one twenty five. Yeah, it's not even a full ninety minutes. No. But yet they cram in all of that stuff 
Um, and I guess they don't overcomplicate it. The best thing about these movies is that we never, it's probably one of the best things is that we never get like a parent that shows up right? to muddy the waters. You know, we just keep it confined within the camp yeah. and everybody that's there. And then, um, I mean, Mel's working his hardest to cover every accident up. Right. Oh, yeah. We also have not mentioned James Earl Jones's dad is in this movie. Are you serious? Did you not know that? No. That was him? You that... couldn't tell by his voice? The cook? Yeah. The guy who sounds exactly like James <laughs> Earl Jones. That's really his dad? That's his dad, yeah. No shit. Yeah. I did not who know that. Is not a good actor. No. At least from this movie. Yeah, no. I've not um, seen him in anything else, but yeah, his son definitely picked up the slack on that end. Holy shit. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Oh, That's man. awesome. That's amazing. Um, even the first time I saw this, I was like, I got to look that up. Is this guy related <laughs> to James Earl Jones? Oh, yeah. It's it's great. Um, yeah, you know, is it's funny as we sit here and talk about it. Like sometimes I've mentioned my opinion changing about a movie in the research. There have been times where my opinion has changed over the course of us doing a show. <laughs> and when I was doing, after I had watched this movie, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I love you it. Hated it even more. Love it. Yeah. Now. <laughs> I only kind of hated it. And then after talking about <laughs> yeah, it, right. So, um, the thing is, is that I was such a fan of, and am such a fan of part two that I was ready to come in here and make the statement that part two is a better film <laughs> than this. But I, oh, I, I see the, the fire. Yeah, in your go, eyes. Go, finish what you're saying. But I will say though, that I think that not really pitting the two against each other, just saying part two is just sort of, I, I don't want to say, I know I use the phrase paint by numbers a lot, but part two is satisfying some like, pleasure centers, you know, the allusions to Jason, Freddie, this, that, and the other. Um, this movie though is, is so unique and so different. Um, and has, again, it's, it's so in tune with itself that it, it's a far superior film. Yeah, it, it really is. And to tell you the truth, <clears throat> as I sit back and think about it, it's pretty well shot. Like, I mean, it's, it's um, I mean, there's nothing that's necessarily mind blowing, but the POV is well done. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we we mentioned those uh, those flashbacks being creatively shot and especially that ending that, you know, for the fact that this guy made one movie at 25 years old and has never gone back to it is kind of a shame. I think I, he yeah. had something going, but also he'd be like, well. My one movie made back, you know, 20 times its budget. Yeah, that's true. I probably will yeah. never do that again. Right, right. <laughs> um, See, I also, re-watching this, because as I've been like, oh, as I look back at some of my more cynical views on some of the movies we've covered, uh -huh. uh, uh, Unhappy Campers comes to mind. A lot of sequels, uh, Chainsaw 2, uh, you know, where I'm like, Perhaps I was too harsh on them. And then rewatching this and thinking about part two, I was like, no, part two is garbage. Like, I don't I don't think I'll like that movie because especially just bits like how the kills are presented in this movie. And I understand, too, is, you know, a like 
parody. Like it's, you know, it's supposed to be yeah. like, oh, we're going to exaggerate these things, which I think can be done. Gremlins 2 fucking hits like that's the holy grail of doing the satirical version of your part one. Yeah. Right. Um, th- but, you know, and they certainly were not the first. Chainsaw 2 came before Happy Camp or Unhappy Campers yeah. comes before. But they, you know, like they're just being like, I think that's enough. Just like if people understand we're making fun of it, that's enough to get by. There's no substance to it. Well, what I'm going to. OK, I, I'll go with but you on this that. movie. The kills are all set up pretty decently. You know, I think all the characters work well together. I, You know. The performances not great, but like you said, are tuned to themselves. Right in this movie, they all the performances work well together within the universe of yes. this self-contained yeah. film. They're kind of perfect in that yeah. way. But let me say this for part because no one's standing out is really it. Like yeah, you're not just like oh why why did they get this one good guy and all these other bad people? Like that's true. Just kind of bad. But, but good enough <laughs> right to not be like terrible right exactly it's um but but I, I will say this for part two i'm not going to ask you to like part two more but i am going to ask you ask for you to have it be like the potatoes to this steak like mm. it's not it, it's not another helping of the steak but it's it's still very, very true to the fact that at least in a sequel that they didn't try to completely revamp everything, they still bring back Angela. They still bring back the whole story of it. It's like, and it's a time only though, but the way that this is, it's an awesome time capsule of early eighties is the way that part two is a time capsule of that 87, you know, yeah. Rush rush things to video and make a quick buck. (laughs) Yeah, fair. Yeah, fair. But 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 I I I don't know. I I love. I desperately love part two. Right. But I. But you have a nostalgic tie to. Correct. It. Yeah. So if the better film is the original, and that I really like part two, there's room for that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 If you were gonna be. Yeah. If you came in here being like, I still think two is a better movie. I'd be like, we're done. We're not doing anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, cause it's just demonstrably false. Uh, but yeah, I could, I could totally see how people would like that. And, you know, and every time I hear, you know, if I listen to another podcast and they praise like chainsaw two and I'm like, all right, I know I'm probably missing something from it, but you know, and it had its moments as well. Like they all have their moments, but as far as a whole film goes or goes, drop Give me from this. one to the other. Yes, I mean, exactly. my God, there's never. And that's probably the best example. The drop from the original chainsaw to chainsaw two. You can like chainsaw two for whatever it is. Goofy, silly, but let's not try to put it anywhere near <laughs> no. the caliber of that. <laughs> right. first film. Exactly. It's two totally different things. Yeah. Um, but no, this this movie is excellent. Um, I, I really do like to to talk about, even if it's for 30 seconds, about who might enjoy a movie or how they might like to watch it. Um, I think this is pretty, pretty palatable for just about anybody. There's not a lot of overt grossness. There's no intestines. There's no, no. evisceration. It's, it's pretty tame. The, the bee sting injuries are a bit over the top, but it's fine. Like, but they're I don't cool, know what though. kind of bee. Yeah. They, and that's the other thing. Yeah. Again, 
great special effects. I don't know if they Rapidly were rapidly advancing special effects. Yes, but amazing special effects, and they got the bees all over that guy's head. Like, oh, yeah. so good, so good. Yeah, and and some of the 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 uh, the extent of the injuries on the arm almost seem to be happening as you're watching. Like it's getting worse. <laughs> yeah. As, well, yeah, as it goes up the arm, you're just like, oh, that's bad. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> right. Um. So uh. So it no. goes from bee sting to cougar mauling very quickly. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But, um, oh, God, you know, it's funny that you say that. I just remembered the movie that um, we'll do it in two weeks. I just I, it just popped. Oh, in my OK. Head. OK. Um, but we'll get there. Uh, but no, this this film is as far as who to watch or when to watch or in what environment. Um, anybody can watch this movie, even if you want to introduce, and I, I tread lightly here because my experience was different than most, but even if you want to introduce like a younger person <laughs> to a slasher film, you know, uh, I'll play it safe and say a high schooler. Okay. I mean, my God, it's, yeah. it's tame as all get out for a high schooler, but, um, but no, it's, it's fun. It's funny. You can enjoy yourself. There's some good stuff and, and some interesting quality along the way, but really, I think what you and I are hitting on to wrap this thing up is that there is some special ingredient that this movie has. It's really hard to articulate. And it, it's not just this kill or this effect or this performance. There's something that is a, a particular flavor note of this movie that is uniquely itself. Yeah. And you just, you're only going to find it in this movie. Yeah. And I think that was, maybe that's like the feeling I had. Cause yeah, watching this before we did, Part, or part two episode, I think I was just like, oh, if this is what I've been missing, like, I'm going to really enjoy this adventure. You yeah. know, if all of them are going to be like this movie, no, they're not. Like, this one <laughs> right. remains to be, like, one of my favorites, and not a lot has come close to it. But then finding those, that's also a lot of fun, where you're just like, oh, shit, how, this movie's existed for my entire, nearly my entire life, and I never got to experience it. Yeah, no, it's it is worth watching. Uh, an emphatic recommend on my part. Yeah, um, you got to see this one. I mean, it's yeah. I haven't, man. Like, I know I've been like excited about episodes, but I was very excited to talk about this movie, and I just felt I felt very comfortable during this episode. Yeah. It's just yeah. Well, that's what the that's what the so feel we're not of the burdened movie. down by celebrities yeah, anymore. Right? Yeah. No, you're right because like leading up to this week's episode, I'm like, man, how how far they fall. Like one one week we're interviewing celebrities, the next week we're talking about a slasher from 1982 or three. What what year is it? 83. It is 83. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. But no. But hey, this is level playing field with an interview with Justin Long because Sleepaway Camp is a badass movie. Yeah. I think he would agree. I think he'd probably, he would, would probably be a the next super time we fun to dude him. to watch this movie with. And yeah. I bet he would love it. Yeah. I mean, we should very quickly again, thank you so much to Justin Long for doing yes. that, that interview. Uh, it, you know, it gave us a little bump. It's been nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, as brief as we have experienced it so far. Uh, but yeah, wow. What a real treat. Uh, thank you. Uh, you know, we've gotten uh, actually a lot of feedback on it. A lot of people congratulating us, you know, we didn't, we just did our part, you yeah. know? Right. And, and yeah, uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed that. Um, 
who knows? It could be the beginning of of more special episodes yeah. along those lines. And I know out of my own haste, I totally forgot to be like, well, let him plug shit. I mean, thankfully, he at the end was like, yeah. hey, I also have a podcast. Right. So, <laughs> right. yes, check out his podcast. I'm going to plug him now. Life is short with Justin Long. Uh, it's like. You know how we were excited to have Justin Long on our show? Well, he like goes and gets like even bigger stars on his show. Yes. So right. it's pretty yes. great. Uh, he's a very lucky guy. Um, and then he uh, he has a movie out that he wanted us to plug called Lady of the Manor that he directed. It's like a ghost story, but like a romantic comedy ghost story. Yeah. But I know he's got some scary stuff in the pipeline. Oh, yeah. He's got a couple, actually. couple, yeah. Yeah. To where I got confused. I think I bit. was like, we'd love to have him back to talk about blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, right. oh, that's probably not the one he was talking about. Yeah. Uh, but if, but you, yeah, if you enjoyed that episode, there is anyway. a fair chance that he may be back around. Yeah. But this is not the Justin Long podcast. That's it. I'm not talking about Justin Long anymore yeah. until he's back. <laughs> um, but yeah. Are we done talking about this, though? We are. I think so. Okay. We, I did get a note. This part is a little long our wrap up really? i don't know yeah some people are never happy you know they're never happy <laughs> uh i just let me tell you i don't like doing the wrap up i hate plugging shit like i don't like it i like this part all right well good tim then this part then this part's for you timmy thank you uh so that was sleepaway camp from 1983 please go to our website slumberpodcastmassacre.com no nothing really special there just please go to it i don't know <laughs> Uh, shoot us an email slumberpodcast at gmail.com uh, check out our twitch channel uh, I will, I'm trying to get the fucking interview up hopefully by the time this episode comes out the YouTube of the video will be up oh, nice. of the interview so yes just along one more time we will have the video of that interview up hopefully by the time this episode comes out uh, so yeah I'll check out our new YouTube channel with one video on it a huge thank to our patrons you help make this show possible please join us next week as we hit the skids in Chicago Cabrini Green from 1992 Candyman 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 that's all I'm going <laughs> I'm not pushing it I know I have to be in front of a mirror, but I'm not taking a risk. Is it five times? I don't remember now. It might be three. It might be three. Oh, Oh, shit. Oh, fuck, dude. (laughs) The fourth time negates it. He's like, oh, too many. Oh, I've got rules. Right. Yeah. Maybe he has a stutter. Right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Uh, (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. So that's Candyman from 1992. That'll be next week. Tim, do you have anything else to say about Sleepaway Camp? Um, You know... No, I, I I don't. I other than to watch it. Although I will say one more thing, and I, again, you, here we are talking about the plug thing and this thing taking too long. I will say because I don't really talk about the particulars too much. But uh, if you would, if you'd be so kind, if you like the show, please uh, give us a rating on Spotify. It's oh, one yeah. of it's one of the the bigger platforms. And if you like the show, if you if you like what you're hearing, um, please give us a nice review on that. Um, it's pretty simple. I don't think you write anything. I think it's just a yeah, starred it's just review a star thing. Yeah. yeah. So um, please hop on there and just give us a, a real quick one. It takes two seconds. Yeah. And uh, and if you want to take longer, you can write one on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Have fun with it. Although they're getting rid of the iPod, so probably Apple users won't listen to podcasts anymore. What was the iPod again? Get the fuck out of here. 
Okay, Tim, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.